This is Sharon Squassoni, Senior Fellow and Director of the Proliferation Prevention Program at the Center for Strategic and International Studies. This is our first podcast on transparency and nuclear weapons and fissile material, and I'm delighted to have in the studio Professor and Associate Dean Shen Dingli, who is with the Institute of International Studies at Fudan University in Shanghai. Professor Shen, welcome. Uh, my pleasure. You're a longtime expert on China's nuclear weapons. How do you assess China's policies in terms of sharing information about its nuclear weapons? It's We commonly talk about transparency of the five nuclear weapon states. For a long time, China considered itself as a, a smaller nuclear weapon state, a U.S. Soviet Union superpower. So we think uh, uh, better to make our nuclear uh, uh, weapon profile uh, uh, vaguer. So as I would uh, keep guessing how big China's uh, force is, so this kind of ambiguity would create more security for China. So for a long time, therefore, China might be unwilling to lend its uh, uh, transparency regarding the inventory of the nuclear arsenal and its deployment and its basing and its uh, weapon-grade fissile material uh, to be open. Uh, but uh, over time, China-U.S. built a partnership during the Cold War time. Uh, to uh, contain Soviet aggression. So China-U.S. nuclear weapon laboratory, they exchanged to understand certain uh, basic level of transparency. And uh, to show China's genuinity uh, to do this, China used to invite Los Alamos National Laboratory people to our nuclear weapon testing site. And uh, on the understanding that the U.S. would give reciprocal visit invitation to Chinese. But then China uh, welcomed the U.S. guests to visit. When Chinese visitors come to the U.S., they are stopped saying, I'm sorry, we cannot allow you to visit. And how many years ago was that? I think in early 1990. Right. So this was after most of the or all of the nuclear weapon states had stopped testing for nuclear weapons purposes. China stopped, the U.S. stopped, so China uh, could uh, allow certain its facility, which it would not use in the foreseeable future if political situation would not change. And China probably now has uh, made it open for Chinese visitors. To, to, to tell them this is a great place our, our nuclear scientists used to work for education and patriotism education purpose. So that's the Lop Noor test Lop site? Yeah. And then later on, Cox report charged the U.S. lab. Why you open your availability to let Chinese better understand that, that of the U.S.? So our laboratory people might be under pressure because Chinese government may think, why you allow American scientists to visit? Why uh, you cannot get Americans to allow our visit? So our laboratory may under double pressure. U.S. charge, China, China may do some espionage. Chinese government think you should not allow U.S. to visit. So basically, this is a kind of sensitive issue that China may be still rather unwilling to lend a kind of transparency. But I'm sure that uh, with China's further development, with its uh, build-up of overall national competence 
and conventional armed force and further modernization of the lim limited nuclear force, maybe at a certain future point, China might be more willing to undertake cooperative nuclear transparency project with other P5 members. Right. So one of the values of exchanging information, whether it's declarations or inviting people to sites, is that we build trust between two countries and we have a better sense of, you know, the size of the arsenals. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of, I guess I would call it misinformation mm -hmm. out there about just how many nuclear weapons China has and where are they located and what are the capabilities. And yet, as we look forward, China is clearly an important player when we look at multilateral arms control. Eventually, the U.S., when the U.S. and Russian nuclear forces get down to a certain level, we have to engage China. And so, Really, it's about building the foundation for discussions. And we have done that in the last, I would say, eight or nine years with the P5 talks. Uh, do you have any sense? And the P5, for our listeners who may not know, those are the permanent five members of the UN Security Council, which are the US, Russia, UK, France, and China, all of the five nuclear weapon states. What's your assessment of that P5 process going forward, this set of discussions where the nuclear weapon states try to find common ground in confidence building? Well, I think this is a very positive move for the P5 to have such a setting for internal discussion of nuclear disarmament issue. This is the obligation in Article 6 of the NPT Treaty. And they need to present to the world. They are genuine. They mean what they say. And uh, they have produced a multilingual glossary, a dictionary, uh, translating each other's uh, nuclear disarmament language. This is good to have the common language. But then you need to have the common action. So probably a compromise needs to be made. U.S.-Russia need to go down from 2,000 to 1,000. And China may go up, and some may disagree why China go up, but this may be the reality, that China would uh, increase its nuclear strategic nuclear warhead from 20 to 30, 40, or uh, 50. Then when the margin would be narrowed, China might be more confident that I'm willing to participate. And this would uh, tell the world why we tell Indian, Pakistan, and North Korea, don't do. We are taking leadership in collectively reducing our force. And at the next st stage, maybe China, uh, UK, and uh, US, Russia, Britain would have the multilateral reduction, not only US and uh, Russia, but OP5. But uh, at a certain point, when their difference would be narrowed, and then this would empower the dissuasion of North Korea and India and Pakistan. Why they cannot? Because we are leading, we are reducing. So it's not uh, NPT is good for all countries, not just for nuclear weapon states. So P5 need to do something, uh, not to waste the time. I think making the dictionary is good first step, but they need to do the second. I hope uh, Putin and Trump can push the Obama plug agenda further after a while, and uh, a media nuclear weapon state would follow after some time. 
What do you suppose there are any, this is slightly off topic, but there are any opportunities to engage North Korea in confidence-building measures? We should. First, uh, uh, politically speaking, we cannot admit North Korea is a legal nuclear weapon state. But this is per NPT jargon. But they are a nuclear weapon state anyway. They don't care if NPT would delegitimize them or not. This is the non-proliferation treaty which North Korea had been a member of and then And they quit and uh, we cannot allow them to rejoin as a nuclear weapon state because this would, would violate the term of NPT. But if we don't engage them, they do more. If we engage them, they would say, admit me as a nuclear weapon state. So somehow we need to find a middle ground. Don't uh, recognize their nuclear weapon status politically, but to work with them to reduce mutual apprehension. Your nuclear weapon could threaten me, could destabilize Northeast Asia. But the nuclear weapon states nuclear weapon would also loom not good for North Korea. How to make North Korean feel secure, therefore they are more willing to be cooperative. So that would make the P5 mechanism more relevant. This is not to cater North Korea, and the P5 need to do it anyway. But if they can push the agenda, that would strengthen the legitimacy of NPT, which India and North Korea would not think seriously. Well, Professor Shendingly, thank you so much for joining us today from Fudan University in Shanghai. Well, it's my real great pleasure. Thank you very much.